welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. That's right. We get together every week to chit-chat about closure, explore its intricate details, various plot points, various themes. So if you are new to this podcast, we recommend you go back way back to episode one because we do series. And so you can start listening to our kickoff series from there. And right now we are in the middle of our Sportify series. We started that in episode 101. So if you want to hear where that started, just skip on back and then listen up to this episode if you want. <laughs> yeah, scroll up or down or left or right or you know, whatever direction your podcast app uh, decides to go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're in this series. Uh, our mission is to... Uh, overwhelm social media with sports highlights because that's what everyone wants. They don't want to watch the game. They just want the highlights. That's right. And we, and we started doing this because uh, the super helpful, but uh, young and needs to go back to school intern, Alice uh, was doing them and she was doing them at the rate of at the breakneck pace of once a week, uh, as many times as, as much as frequently as we do this podcast. Uh, yes. Now, now that she's gone, the boss, the boss man is, been writing us he says we need to get more of these done those are so popular but we need to do more than one a week that does not overwhelm (laughs) right and so this was a brand new process to us and so in our last episode we were talking about how we use our connected editor so fiddle files as we like to call them uh, in order to explore all the little bits and pieces of the system to try to make some sense of it because sadly even though Alice did have to go back to school, which is a wonderful thing, she did not leave any sort of documentation for the process. So we are left to derive the process from its constituent parts again. So we were uh, going through the database to see what we could find there. And then we were looking through the media asset manager to see what we could find there. And we left off We had just discovered that these clips are tagged. That's great. So we can use those tags to find out some information. And now we want to get some clips and stitch it together to see what we can do with them. Yeah, along the way, we've been uh, gathering up information. You know, we have have functions that query the database, functions that query the MAM. And we've been storing that data in a few various defs we can go back and look at it because invariably this data is connected you know there are foreign keys that reach across databases or across systems and so we have a few defs and i think we can just keep adding on to that let's just keep going you know that's 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 how i often approach problems is you just keep going keep moving right and these fiddle files are kind of like a notebook and a file perhaps you could use something like Clerk or something like that if you wanted to. But the goal really isn't to create a UI for interaction or exploration. Mm. The goal is really to have a place where we can evaluate our forms. It's like a random access REPL. We can have a little section where you have some database functions that we wrote, and we call those, save some values, go on over to the MAM section. We're building up a little bit of a MAM API API client, I should say, not, not we're not exposing API, call those. We're hopping back and forth around in this file. It's And we can write ourselves notes to remind ourselves of things. So it's this random access exploration 
using this notebook style workflow mm-hmm. in a fiddle file, which is really just a file that our connected editor we're using to uh, run expressions in our connected editor. Yeah, and one one of the the big benefits is that because it's just a file and we can put all the different bits of information, including data, in one that one file, it means there's only one place to go back and look when we pick up the project the next day or the next episode. That's right. It's all there and we can we can uh, take a look at what we what we did. We write ourselves notes when we go home at the end of the day so we can read them at the beginning of the day. It's just just this one place. Mm-hmm. So speaking of picking back up, I believe we had we had we had queried the man, we had clip references. So you know, it has information about the clip and you know, what what all the tags are, you know, what 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 sport what game what event it was part of, you know, the event ID that we got from the database. Oh, we we can now start correlating them together. But that doesn't really make us a highlight. The highlight reel comes from actual video, concatenating video together, right? So, yes. Part of that information we get from the MAM is well, the MAM actually doesn't store the media. Ah, I feel like we were shortchanged. <laughs> it's not, it's not, not much of a manager if it doesn't store it, right? Well, no, it, that's exactly it. It's the manager. It doesn't do the heavy lifting, Nate. I mean, when, <laughs> a, when else have you seen the manager do the heavy lifting? It, it manages oh. the media. <laughs> okay. It manages the resources. It manages the resources. Yeah, these clips are, we discover these clips are over in object storage, aka S3, or something that has an S3 API. Yeah, it's very popular these days. So now we have another system. So we have heard of the database and then the MAM. Now we got to go query S3. Will our, will, will our troubles never cease? <laughs> <laughs> so what if you use Nate to dive into an S3 bucket and make some sense of it when you're fiddling away in your REPL connected editor? Uh, well, my go-to library is the Cognitec AWS API. It's a very nice data-driven API. So it's, 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 before I would have used Amazonica, which is kind of a more uh, imperatively minded one. There's a bunch, there's a function for every uh, Amazon or AWS endpoint or AWS function, actually. And so you'd have to go and figure out which one you need. But with the AWS, the Cognitec AWS API, it's just, there's basically a, a function that gets you all of the, all of the data you need to pass to uh, I forget what the name of the function is, but it's like it's like it would be like an HTTP. It's like the request function, you know, do the operation, and all you do is hand it data. And so one of the reasons why I like that is because it's just like we talked about when we were doing the database or or the uh, MAM requests. There there there's a constructing the request phase, and then there's the doing the request phase. And so the nice thing about separating those two is because <laughs> it's often hard to get that making the request phase. Uh, getting that done right. And so it's much easier to get that, to iterate on that very fast. And so that's why I like that that API. Yeah, the a, the Cognitec AWS API, which I am also now a fan of, I think that was the first time I had seen outside of an HTTP client that idea of putting the entire request in a map, you know, a nested nested map. And... I it took me a little bit to wrap my head around that. I'd used Ring, and of course, Ring you have the whole request map that comes into your handler, mm, and you produce right. a whole response map out, and so Ring is structured that way. 
And then you have HTTP kit and I've used HTTP kit client to make calls. And you, you, there's that, as we were talking before, there's, there's that approach where you can just pass in all of everything and into a single request function. And I hadn't really seen that done in other places. And so then all of a sudden I find myself using the AWS S3, well, AWS client, the Cognitech mm-hmm. AWS client. And it's like, oh, well, there isn't like an S3 namespace. There isn't like a uh, SMQ or whatever, SMQS. SQS? SQS. There's so many I almost said SMS, right? Yes. Well, there is one of those too. Yeah. It's not the one you think of, but yeah. Right. And so all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can I can just express all these things as as data. And I thought that was just really cool. And so definitely I'm gonna find myself making a function that constructs like a get in this case, uh I think it's like head object request or Something like that. It's like not yeah. get object because then you start downloading the whole thing, right? I just want to see. Just because I just want to see the information about it. Please don't hand me a 450 megabyte file. <laughs> just because it's a nice wrapper around the AWS AWS SDK does not mean it will shelter you from the awesome AWS API names like head object right. and you know all the other ones. Yeah, and so then I'm going to write a function that's going to basically take the things I care about, which in this case is probably the key and not much else. And in that, because it's a fiddle file, I'm just going to hard code the like references to the credentials and, and stuff, right? So, So I think at this point in time, it's like, well, I need credentials to get to something. And what we talked about last time is having... Uh, like a config.edn file or I have a dev.edn file. And so I just slurp in that Eden and parse it. It's pretty pretty easy to just read Eden in. And so then... even though this I, file is something we're not going to check into, into, into Git, we still feel weird having the credentials literally in the file. It still feels weird, you know? Right. I'm going to put them over to the side just, just in case. Right, and so you could you could make them environment variables and grab them out that way, mm-hmm. or yeah, like I said, I'd like having a dev Eden file with it. And then what's cool is you you write a function that just slurps it in, parses the Eden, and you assign it to a def. I have a def called wait for it config. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I know you would have never guessed. And so, but that def's a global def right there in my fiddle file, right? Because we're here to explore. We're not here to try to create mm-hmm. bike sheds with bike sheds inside. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the place for abstractions. Right. And so that function that's going to construct that, I'll call it like, you know, get object info function, right? And it's going to construct an AWS, a Cognitech AWS request map. And it will just reference config. I may make a parameter config and then pass that in, or it can just reference the kind of the local global to make the map because the goal is let's make this map and let's run it. And then we're going to get Eden back and our editor is going to display that. And we're going to see what we can figure out about this bucket. Right. And figure out, you know, usually get your metadata about how big the files are and, 
and you so i mean you know say there's five different files you know you want to get the head on all of them so you know there's a little bit of you know for or a do seek or something that you know some you you want to grab the data from aws and get it into your REPL, and then you can start fiddling <laughs> fiddling around with it you want to yes. you know put it into portal so you can i mean it's it is going to be a decent amount of data even without the files themselves and so that's why it's nice to have it be a def so you can just I, you want to just grab the first one or actually lots of times I'll do um, the data, like the rows and I'll do like first keys. Cause I'm, I'm like, I don't even want to see what the first map is. I just want to see what the keys are, you know? Cause right. sometimes if you, even the even the, one of the maps by itself might be too big for your editor to display or for portal, you know, you, you don't know. So you kind of, you dip your toe in one little bit at a time. And, uh, and then, then you can start getting more confidence in how you display it. Yeah, so I might start with just hard-coded map that I'm running, and then I'm going to take that map and factor into a function so I can switch out the key name. So, for example, one of the first functions I might write will be for list objects, some wrapper around list objects, you know, so I'll just call like defin list. I want to pass in some kind of pattern, and I want that pattern, all the rest can just be specified from config, you know, mm-hmm. and so then it's going to give me a map back that has all the bucket information, all the credentials information, all that, and just substitute the pattern in. So then I can start evaluating, okay, do a pattern of star. And whoa, all of a sudden I get 100 keys back, right? (laughs) Get the first page of keys. I need to whittle those 100 objects down a little bit, right? But I can start filtering. I can start changing my pattern. I can start copying and pasting my call to that function so that I can experiment with different patterns and I can keep a few different handy patterns around to run and then just kind of evaluate them and build them up in the buffer and so on and so forth. So I'm exploring what objects are there and I'm doing all that from the connected editor. And I think, I think it was really important to point out, I said earlier, or maybe you said that we're, we're not building abstractions yet and and it's not so much we're not building up abstractions, it's that we're not building our applications abstractions yet. We are building up an abstraction in the in the the list you know, the words that we're using to to describe or to facilitate our exploration. So we're building we're building up enough ling- language, enough vocabulary to help us with our exploration. And sometimes it's hard to resist the urge to make too much of what you might see as a future application architecture or uh, application abstractions. And so it's important to keep it super practical. It's like only write the functions that you need to help you learn more. As soon as you've learned enough, you you stop stop writing functions and move on to the next step. Because the point is to keep learning, not to keep abstracting. Right. So if I just want to list all the files in the bucket, I hard code the whole map with a star and then all of a sudden I realize, oh, I want to run a couple different patterns. Now I'm going to factor that into a function. Mm -hmm. And it's also worth mentioning that okay, we're doing all this via the REPL. Why not just use the AWS command line, right? The AWS command line can help us list things and find things and upload things and download things and all that. Well, eventually we want our code to be able to do this. So we're not trying to design the application, but we know our right. code needs to talk to AWS at some point in time. So we're we're getting a little bit of code in place mm-hmm. so that we can begin to talk to AWS. We can begin to get a sense of how our code 
can talk to AWS in a really practical way that the mm-hmm. AWS command line isn't going to help with. You know, it's not useless. You can go use it, but it's worth doing in the REPL because you're starting to figure out, you're starting to actually explore the library too, not just not ah, just the object yes. store, but the library too you're exploring. Mm-hmm. You're learning both about both things at the same time. Right. And then that learning is going to go forward. And some of these little functions you write, well, they're going to serve as a basis for more interesting functions later on that do more things. <laughs> You're going to get a sense of, well, what do I need to factor out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this credentials bit, I should factor that out. So I should make a function that makes a map, the, the credentials part of the map. And it would be really cool if I factored that out so that I could make another function that just did sort of the request part, like the operational specification part. And then I could just merge those two together or make mm-hmm. a function that let me merge those two together so that I, I can just specify little tiny operations and then pass the operation into another function that adds all the decoration onto it. That that's all that boilerplate that we have to put in every single request, the bucket and the endpoint and the, you know, secret access key and the, all the other things, right? The IM, <laughs> ID, you know. Yeah, I, I, I want to look this up and write it once. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's easy enough for me to copy and paste, but the computer is much better at, uh, at, at making things repeated more efficiently. Right. So now we've got a list of all the media that we need, or at least we have the metadata about it. But I think it's finally time to actually download the files. So... We, we, down, we start downloading. It's just, just download one, you know. You Again, just another function that says, you know, get object. I think that's what it is, or I forget yeah, what the... Yeah, get uh, object two, yeah. I think. <laughs> oh. Because get object oh, one <laughs> had to get improved, but they still have it around, At right? some point in time, maybe there'll <laughs> be a get object final, and then final, final two. <laughs> you know how that yes. goes. Yes. So we do the same thing, you know, just getting the... Getting the downloading the files, I'm pretty sure it gives you back an input stream. Doesn't give you the raw binary in the uh, <laughs> in the Eden, <laughs> right? And I knew I would just save it out into my local directory or maybe a subdirectory. You know, kind of keep a little bit of tidiness. And uh, and then once you do that, man, I mean, I feel like we're I feel like we're just a couple of steps away from having a highlight reel. What do you think? Yeah, we're getting pretty close, right? Because we've queried the database to find the event, and then we've queried the MAM by tag. And so we did the event ID as the tag. And so then we got all this metadata on these clips. And now we're going and we're downloading these clips with these little very utilitarian minimalist functions we've written here in our fiddle file. And we've downloaded the media and we just have to concatenate that together. And uh, (laughs) what is the industry standard for wrangling video files and audio files, especially when you want to process them? Well, we're going to turn to FFmpeg in order to I want to take a a slight step backwards and say, like, I think the idea of the use of the verb concatenate with video files is absolutely hilarious because (laughs) obviously we can concatenate text files, but it's not possible at all to concatenate video files. You can't just concatenate two, you know, uh, movies together and just expect it to work, right? (laughs) You know, you might be surprised about the ingenuity. So there's certain video file formats who that are specifically designed so you can oh. actually file cat them together. So there's something called an MPEG transport stream 
that it's packetized so that you can just literally like you can run the Unix cat command on these files to put them all together. Wow. Sadly, these media files are not in that format, so we're not going to oh. be able to do that. <laughs> I thought we'd be shelling but, out to the cat command. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you actually can in some cases, which is really even wild. Like it just shows you utilitarian tends to win in the end, right? Mm, Things that let you absolutely. solutions that let you get things done quickly. Those solutions are great solutions. All right, so fine. So we have to shell out to FFmpeg, right? All right, so uh, let's see. What what do we use for that? Well, I've been using Babashka Process. It's oh, okay. a wrapper around Java Process. So you could call Java Interrupt, but I've been using a lot of Babashka FS and Babashka Process because since Babashka's whole goal is to make it quick and easy to write scripts, especially one-off scripts, you know, the, the classic scripting problem that you have in system scripting is you want to run a, you want to write up a script for a very specific case. And that script's going to run a bunch, but you're not trying to develop a whole application. I've found that the Babashka libraries tend to just have a lot of very convenient functions that, that work at kind of that, that same level that feels like shell. So very productive mm-hmm. level. You know, yeah, very so pragmatic. I can just, yeah, very pragmatic. And so Babashka process is pretty nifty because you can just call shell and it will run the thing. And by default, it will output to standard out and standard er- error in your terminal. Um, and so there isn't all this ceremony about, you know, capturing the input and the output <laughs> and all this stuff, right? Like, like you right. can just literally okay, I just want to run FFmpeg and I want to hand it some files. So I'm going to build up that command line as a uh, vector of strings as you know each little part of the command line. You can even start with a single giant string so long as it can be split on spaces. You, know, you just pass that to Babashka shell and it just runs it. It prints it out to the terminal. Probably not your like, probably not the solution that you want for your final thing but it's a great way to begin exploring, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is the whole point of this step, right? To let's, let's figure out the FFmpeg command line we need to use. I think it's interesting. I think that of the things we've been exploring up until this point, I've been, this is the thing I'm the least comfortable with uh, fiddling. And I don't know quite why that is, but I think perhaps it's because there's there's just there's a fiddliness on the edges. Like there's a, there's, I know, I know how to make the, the, the vector of command parts. That's easy. And then when I have like an output stream that I want to, you know, read out of, you know, that's, I got that, but there's something about the middle. It's like, what's the right abstraction in the function to, do I, do I pass it and get, do I, do I, do I return the process object out of the function or do I only return out? Like what, what the, what's the right level of abstraction? And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's good to fiddle is because you can play around with that and you can write it the wrong way four times and make get those out of your system before you get to the right way that you want that you actually might use in your application or the one that actually helps you learn because you're, in this case, maybe you do want to return the out because, you know, that's, that's what, you know, is useful for exploring. But then in your application, you might want to return the process object because you need to chain them or something like that or whatever. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, because if you're trying to chain processes and is and create a pipeline, then yeah, you need the process object. But if you just mm-hmm. need the output, then maybe you just need the output streams coming back, right? So so it really you you don't know. And the fiddle is here to help you figure it out, to to try it out. And so I would start with just uh well, the namespace is called process, right? So it's like babasha.process. So I import it as P <laughs> because, you know, I'm going to type it a lot. I'd just start with like uh, right there in a comment block, P slash shell, and then a string with an FFmpeg command f- where I've copied and pasted the file names right. in there because I just want to run it and I want to go, okay, did it run? Did it work? Great. And then I'm probably going to realize like, huh, I want to pass it a list of input files okay, now I'm going to factor out a function. It's going to construct an FFmpeg command with that list of files. Oh, yeah, I also have to give it the output file name. Okay, so that's going to be a parameter. And it's going to make all the other choices. And it's going to be a very imperative function in this case. It's going to run FFmpeg. It's going to hand it those files. It's going to concat them. And it's going to write out the output file. Uh, This is not... Um, pure functional programming at work, right? This is imperative decomposition in this case. It's, it's, you know, it's okay to be imperative because we're learning. We're learning about what, what, because it's a lot of IO that we've done over the course of the past couple episodes. Uh, And there, I'm sure there's pure data, there's pure functions in there. I mean, we talked about it plenty. We're setting up the requests. Uh, But even this, there's probably something we can tease apart, but it's not important to tease it apart right now that would be creating the applications abstraction this is the exploring uh, abstraction that we need and that that right. one is what do we need at this point in time and at this point in time what do we need to do we need to concatenate these files together so right. and i'm and pretty yeah, sure after, i'm pretty sure after that first command that you ran that was just one long string hey you got a you had a you had a highlight reel like right then hey we're done all right <laughs> just kidding um but you, but you, you know, then you want to be a little more flexible. Well, actually, I ran that command a few times because I got some of the parameters wrong, and Ooh, because right. Babashka process just spews it right out to the terminal. I just see the error messages right there in the terminal, and so then I run it again and run it again, and I'm just <laughs> editing the command there in my editor, and you know, running, running it again. And it's like, oh, good, there, finally, I got it a hard-coded FFmpeg command working. So so now I can begin to factor it if I want, right? So so even even that string command, you're iterating, iterating, iterating. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think one interesting thing that I might have hinted at a little bit, but like you actually we actually have a highlight reel right now. Like Oh yeah. We were doing all this exploring and we kind of stumbled into um doing some actual work. Not not on purpose. We I I promise. We were not trying to. <laughs> But we accidentally <laughs> did work. <laughs> yeah, we we got the job done, right? We didn't we didn't make a program. It, we didn't make an application, but we we got the job done in a semi-automated way. Our exploring led us to the work, right? We we discovered the steps as we walked through them. No better way to know you've arrived at the end of your exploring when all of a sudden the thing you're trying to do is now finished. <laughs> yeah, it's like over the course of your exploration, you you go from exploring to doing actual work. There's no like, okay, I'm done exploring. 
and now I got to put my work hat on. You know, there's no seam between the two activities. Exploring kind of dwindles down as you know more because you're you've learned more, and the work part kind of expands more. And so there's like an overlap that happens in the middle, and suddenly you have an actual highlight reel, and you think, oh gosh, I could do this again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and in fact, you start thinking, oh okay, well, I want to do this again for another game. And then you start looking at your fiddle file and going, oh, well, I I hard-coded a bunch of file names here and a bunch of file names there. Mm. Okay, I should factor that into a function. It's like, oh, I'm using FFmpeg as a process. Oh, you know, maybe there's another library like, you know, CLJ Media or something. Well, that that looks really cool, but I have this working. I'm going to table that for now. I'm going to go back. I'm going to factor that. Oh, I'm going to make a function that's going to call the database and then call the MAM API and then hand me a list of things to download. And -hmm. then I'm going to save that in the def and then another function that passes that. And so you can start to group some of these processes together so that now your fiddle is turning into your recipe we're doing this in a semi-automated way by hand. Absolutely. It's like you've you've kind of stumbled into a working program. It's your, you know, it's in your REPL, but it's it is working. And and it also facilitates the secondary level of exploration. The first time we went through this whole thing, we were learning each of these things on its own and combining them together. But now once you go back and do it again, you get to experience what all developers experience when they are hit with inconsistent data where you learn what is true of the highlight clip I'm making right now versus what is true of the second or the fifth or the 10th highlight clip. And so you start to understand the, the variance of the data. So you're, you're exploring kind of a meta at a meta level, the data and the process. So you know, even what potential future things you might want to look for as far as error cases go, you know? So it's, it's even that it's, you're still learning as you go through the process again and again, you're just learning again. the The amount of exploration and learning is 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 getting smaller, but it is still there. Right, and definitely your point on the variance of the data. <laughs> I think you cannot overstate how important <laughs> it is to experience the variance of the data by hand for a little bit, mm-hmm. because that's that's the stuff you you look at a few examples and you're like, oh, I see the pattern. And then it's example seven that blows up your pattern. And you're like, <laughs> exactly. oh, but now I know the pattern. And then example 15 <laughs> blows up the, oh, but now I know the pattern. And then example 29 <laughs> blows up the pattern, right? And oh, so you, you just got to sort of, I like to say, run your fingers through the data, right? Mm. Run, run your fingers through the information to, to get a sense of it. And so by having this REPL driven process, and we've talked about it in prior episodes, right? Where you're using a fiddle as your UI, if you will, your REPL and this fiddle file is a UI to drive a process. You're getting a lot of direct experience with the process that's going to help you make better, better abstractions for the application that is to come. Because you might as well learn it now. You're going to learn it sometime, either now or in the future. And it's better to learn it now when you're in exploring mode than when you're later, when you're in uh, on the hook and your boss is breathing down your neck mode. Yeah, that's right. Because here we've made a highlight reel. 
and we've sent the asynchronous notification back to the work giver <laughs> via the Outlook message queue, <laughs> right? Oh. And said, work giver, uh, here is the product that you requested. And of course, then the work giver, boss man, he sends an asynchronous message back to us and says, oh, this is wonderful. I, you know, I was thinking about this more. It'd be great if we could do this every single day. Every single day. <laughs> what do you think, Nate? Let's let's make one of these every day. <laughs> What's the first thing that pops into your head? Uh, uh let's see. More code. <laughs> <laughs> more code. More coffee. Longer days. Right. I'm thinking like, uh, how much of this? How much of my day is gonna go to making these silly files? You know, I need to. I need to figure out some way of taking the specification, the Outlook provided specification, <laughs> the email provided specification and turn it into one of these files in a much more automated way, right? It's fun to do the first 10, but after that, you probably want the computer to do all the heavy lifting for you. Yes. That's right. And so our boss is saying, can you make a highlight reel for the such and such a team game on such and such a date? It's like, okay, his natural language is beginning to give us an idea of what the input for our fully automated process might be. And of course, we have the highlight reel as our output. So this seems like another interesting problem to explore. The next one. <laughs> In the future. If you're, if you're hearing the hints, I'm going to lay it out for you. We will have more Sportify. <laughs> Sportify. There you go. All right. Well, here you go. We've come to the end of our episode. So if you have a question about Spotify or anything you've that has come to mind as you've listened and you're like, oh, I really think this is a good point about how to explore data or something that's been really useful for you, maybe a visualization tool, uh, send us a tweet at closuredesign on x.com or feedback at closuredesign.club is our email address. Uh, but our favorite and most interactive way to interact is to go to the Closure Design Dash podcast channel on Closurians. And we will talk with you there. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you there. If you have any ideas on, geez, I would do it this other way. This other way is a better way. We love those conversations too. That's a great topic for the Slack channel. But if you want to get all of the resources related to this episode, including links to the things we mentioned, links to past episodes, and sometimes even a little bit of code, the place to go and do that is at closuredesign.club. That's where we put all of the things for the episode for your perusal. Yep. All righty then. We'll be back next week with more Sportify. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.